0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Red Sox Beat Podcast presented by CLNS Media. CLNS is your leading online video and audio provider for Major League Baseball. I am the host of this show, Chris Catillo. I cover the Red Sox for MassLive.com. It is October 24th, we are getting toward the end of the postseason, the Nationals have a 2-0 lead over the Astros in a World Series and a big surprise, we are you know, at most 10 days away from the offseason and the official start of the offseason, meaning a lot of big changes coming from the Red Sox. This is episode 237 of the show, it is brought to you by Roman, which is a discreet, low-key way for men with erectile dysfunction to get treated online and from the privacy of their own homes, we'll hear more, a lot more from Roman later in the show. Today's theme, and I'm going to be riding solo, which is something I don't do often, but you're going to be stuck with hearing me for the entirety of this episode, is how the Red Sox are approaching their search for a new GM. It's been a crazy six weeks in that we have heard almost absolutely nothing about how they're going to do that. We've heard only a few quotes from John Henry and Tom Warner, radio silence from Fenway Park in the last month or so, and at this point the Red Sox kind of in the abyss when it comes to who are they're going to hire as their next general manager i wrote about that exact topic this morning my weekly mlb notebook for mass the red sox gm search is providing more questions and answers with the gm meetings approaching those gm meetings which are a very important kind of start to the off season in baseball they begin november 10th in scottsdale arizona my partner chris smith at mass live who you know, has been on the show plenty of times before and i were joking today that we're going to go and we're going to have no one to interview because the red sox are going to bring uh Nobody, because they're not going to have a GM in place, which obviously isn't true. If anything, it'll be, you know, the current gang of four that they have, Eddie Romero, Brian O'Halloran, Zach Scott, and Raquel Ferreira will be there kind of as as the uh, the four-headed general manager that they've been operating with since Dave Dombrowski was fired on September 9th. Where do things stand? That's the question that I decided to pose to people throughout baseball yesterday. And the responses had a common thread throughout them. It was that nobody knows anything. There was even a couple crazy theories thrown out there that I checked with someone with the Red Sox immediately. They told me those were not true. So nobody knows anything about this search. When it first happened, when Dave Dombrowski was first fired, there was obviously dozens and dozens and dozens of potential candidates who could the next red sox gm we heard about the big fish and theo epstein and andrew friedman we heard about guys coming home mike hazen and jed hoyer we heard about these star first-time gms in some places we've heard about the red sox promoting from within and eddie romero or brian o'halloran but it's basically been all speculation it's been almost nothing in terms of confirmed interviews or confirmed candidates there have been no confirmed interviews and at this point, uh, with the GM meetings getting really close, nobody knows anything. So I want to start with what I was told yesterday from people within the game. These are all people from outside the Red Sox organization I decided to pull, agents, general managers, scouts, executives, whether they're uh, people running baseball operations in places or assistants. It, it's you know kind of a wide survey saying, hey, what have you heard about what the Red Sox are going to do in their general manager opening? Here are the responses I got very prominent agent said he hasn't heard one guy linked to the job an american league general manager i've heard nothing a national league executive said he hadn't heard anything whatsoever and that it was kind of weird another agent total crickets a national league scout to be honest with you nothing yet a national league executive everybody mentioned to that in connection with that job gets an extension which is virtually true an american league executive I haven't heard anything. A National League executive. I've heard they want an established GM with an analytical background, but as far as names, very, very quiet. That is kind of what John Henry said when he talked to us that they did want an established GM. They didn't want a first time guy. And there appears to be a clear shift toward analytics, uh, you know, and embracing them and being more cohesive with them within the organization. But, you know, that specific executive not even heard any names. And an NL scout said, I've heard nothing, but I'm sure it'll be a big name. So, Basically the people outside the, the people inside the game are doing exactly what you know those of us who who don't work for teams or work for agencies are doing they're guessing and I think it's very interesting in an in an industry and in a network that is always really, really gossipy where things leak out all the time that nobody's heard a thing. Just look at kind of how the managerial searches went down in the last few weeks. I mean, you knew you know, that certain guys were going to be linked to certain jobs, and you knew that certain guys were going to be more likely for certain jobs. You know, as soon as Joe Madden was was interviewed in Anaheim, everybody knew about it. We knew about the other guys that were interviewed for that job. I believe uh, John Farrell, ex-Red Sox, ex- Sox manager, was one of them. And... and Chicago. You knew about every step of that process. Joe Espada and David Ross were the two big finalists to replace Joe Madden as the Cubs manager. David Ross got the job. We knew about everybody who interviewed, who got second interviews, because there's just so many people in the know with these things. Between you know the actual team doing the hiring, and then all the t- teams that have to grant permission or have heard through the grapevine, and all the people involved. With the Phillies hiring Joe Girardi, we knew Girardi was going to get a job somewhere. He was linked to a bunch of places. So in these types of things, whether it's a manager or a GM or even a pitching coach and things are trickling out about the Red Sox pitching coach search, things are starting to leak out, but nothing has leaked out on the Red Sox search, which is very, very unique and strange, and people in the industry are starting to take notice. So I have two theories as to why that could be. Number one is that the Red Sox are taking a page out of the playbook of the 2013 Boston Celtics. Now, that might seem like, I don't even, I not I hate the NBA, so I don't know exactly how the Celtics did in 2013. But I remember when they were looking for Doc Rivers' replacement, you know, there was all these candidates talked about, potentially being interviewed and all that, until one day they just issued a press release and said, we got Brad Stevens there. We thought, wow, that's an amazing hire. Bright guy from Butler. Almost beat Duke. Too bad he didn't. Um, And they were able to get him and kind of shock the world with it. The Red Sox, I guess, theoretically could do that. I don't know. That's kind of what they did with Dombrowski. Uh, There's kind of some inklings before he was hired, but it's kind of what they did with him. Or, and I think this is the more likely thing, they simply just promote someone from within, whether that be Romero or Halloran, or they keep the current collaborative structure of the Gang of Four in place at least, you know, on a temporary basis, stick with the status quo for a while, and then maybe reassess and then get a permanent GM down the road at some point once there's more movement in the industry. It's notable also the Red Sox are the only team searching for a head of baseball operations right now. There was I think seven or eight teams looking for new managers, so that that process is is kind of a carousel. But in terms of front office executives, the Red Sox are the only ones that are searching at this point. Let's go back just kind of the nuts and bolts of this search. You know, obviously when Dave Dombrowski was fired, the Red Sox embark on what is becoming, you know, almost a uh biannual trend in this town of looking for a new GM, a new president of baseball operations. Remember when Theo Epstein left for Chicago, they simply promoted Ben Charrington. Ben Charrington had a job and all of a sudden he didn't when they went out and got Dombrowski, but this is the first time that they've had a real legitimate opening and the way they're handling it um, from the start has been a little off. We heard... In September, in the one meeting that the media had with John Henry and Tom Warner, they talked about some things that they wanted to look for in their candidate. John Henry, when asked about what kind of candidate he wanted, he said to put one of those internal candidates in charge, that's sort of a tough way to start your career as a general manager. We are starting the search looking outward. So there's two qualifications. One, you don't currently work for the Boston Red Sox. And number two, you have GM experience. That made it seem like the Red Sox were going to go for one, one of two ways, either a big fish with another team, someone that was running baseball operations, or someone that was a number two in another organization who had previously been a general manager. At that point, I think the big fish theory really gained some steam. Though John Henry cautioned that for a number of reasons, it's really hard to poach an executive, a top executive from another team under contract, just because... Um, There's so much red tape associated with those things, you have to have compensation. He talked about how only twice in his recent memory uh, that has happened, Theo Epstein going to the Cubs from the Red Sox and Andrew Friedman going from the Rays to the Dodgers uh, a few years back. The Red Sox, at this point, in pursuing those guys, whether through back channels or however they've done it, have seemed to completely strike out, and there are too many extensions, as one of the sources put it, for that to be a coincidence. The Red Sox have been linked to Theo Epstein, who decided he's going to stay in Chicago. He's under contract two more years, you know everything, and, and he he didn't seem to have any interest. But the other guys, there's a flurry of extensions throughout baseball that seem to have direct links to the Boston Red Sox. In Arizona, there are three: Mike Hazen in mid-September signed an extension to remain as their general manager um, and head of baseball operations, and his two assistants, Samuel Sade. And Jared Porter both received hefty extensions that will keep them in Arizona, and what seems like a direct move to counter what the Red Sox uh, could have offered them. Uh, those guys obviously worked for the Red Sox for a long time. In Los Angeles, Andrew Friedman, his contract was up. The Dodgers seemed to you know, really emphasize getting him back after another failed run to the World Series with a juggernaut. They were, as of last week, finalizing an extension, and in Minnesota, Derek Falvey, their chief baseball officer, uh, Lynn, Massachusetts native, also gets an extension. Those are not coincidences. These teams were afraid that they were going to be poached by the Red Sox. They paid up, and they kept them away from the Sox. The Sox, I think, from the start, have had a mentality of, of a little bit of hubris. Number one, we are the Boston Red Sox. We are one of the best jobs in 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 baseball were one of the best jobs in sports to be our GM, to be our president of baseball operations. And while that is true, I think that there is a perception, and something that the media had concerns about, the public had concerns about, uh, people in baseball had concerns about when Dave Dombrowski was hired and when this process started. Is there this reputation of instability now with the Red Sox GM job? I think there absolutely is. And we've seen that you know, proven. I think it's crazy that you know, not to knock the smaller markets because it's everybody, you know, criticizes everybody in Boston and New York about being these big market bullies who think that they are, are just better in every way and thinks that their teams and their jobs and their cities are more attractive. But imagine previously, you know, you have a Massachusetts native running the Minnesota Twins and he has a chance at the Red Sox GM job and he decides to go back to Minnesota. That's almost unthinkable. You have a Massachusetts native and Mike Hazen running the Arizona Diamondbacks of all teams. And... The Red Sox GM job appears to be right in front of him, and he says, no, I'm going to stay in Arizona. I like what I'm building here. I think part of that is because what they have and their programs that they have running that they've built a lot, and and those cases of Falvey and and Mike Hazen are from the ground up. But I think part of it is that they have this perceived instability in Boston, and they, they don't know what the standard of success is anymore. You know, the the standard of success is not a World Series because we've seen Ben Charrington and Dave Dombrowski both being fired, effectively fired, even though John Henry will somehow dispute that, fired in the last few years, within two years of winning the World Series, in Dombrowski's case, uh, within 11 months. If I'm an executive in another place and I'm having a really good time, I like the people I work with, I like the situation I'm building, even though I'm from Massachusetts and and all that, I don't know why I would like, I would leave those situations to come to a place where even if I deliver a World Series, it might not be good enough a year later, Um, and and a place that uh, has, after Theo Epstein, churned through a bunch of these general managers in the last few years. So I think that's a real concern. I think that that is something that the Red Sox didn't think they'd face. Um, They just thought that they could say, oh, we're the Red Sox. It's the top baseball operations job for the Boston Red Sox. You're going to want it. And to this point, people haven't, and the teams they work for have done a really good job making it uh, financially mo- financially motivating them to make sure that they didn't want it as well. Those kind of guys dropping down to the next tier, which are the second in-command guys, a uh, couple with GM experience, Jed Hoyer, um, Josh Burns, who works for the Dodgers, who used to be with the Red Sox. But, you know, I, I guess Jed Hoyer, apparently, according to Theo Epstein, is not interested. Sade and Porter both got extensions, and a guy that uh, my colleague chris smith was high on brandon taubman high on before this week i will add um the Sox job is now the least of his worries after that horrible incident in the astros clubhouse where he yelled at a group of female reporters in support of roberto azuna who was of course suspended 75 games last year for violating major league baseball's domestic violence policy i wrote yesterday that brandon taubman is completely unhirable so i do not think that the red Sox will be looking at him that at this point leaves us with no clear favorite as to who Fits the profile of what Henry explicitly said the team was looking for. Kyle Bloom in Tampa, the Rays VP of Baseball Operations. The Cubs v- Senior VP of Player Personnel, Jason McLeod, and Josh Burns, I guess, fit the bill a little bit. But they're not the perfect candidate, and uh, there have been, there's been no news linking either any of those guys to interviews or interest at this point. So to recap, where we are, they went for the big fish. They were largely turned away. Then they, you know don't really want the second-in-command guys, especially if they don't have GM experience and nobody in the industry knows what's going to happen. All of those things, if you're reading the tea leaves, kind of point to something that Rob Bradford from WEI reported last week that an internal candidate, or just remaining with the status quo, the four people who are in charge, the gang of four, and that's, Raquel, again, Raquel Ferrero, Brian O'Halloran, Eddie Romero, and Zach Scott, remaining with those people seems a little bit more likely at this point. And here's a few reasons why. Number one, the Red Sox have a ton of trust in those four people. They've all been with the organization for over 10 years. Uh, I think, you know, Eddie Romero was the last one to come. He came in 06. Um, leading to this quote from Tom Tom, uh, Tom Warner, excuse me, when they met with the media in late September, we're very pleased with the work Eddie Zach, Brian, and Raquel have done. They've all been with us for a decade each, and we have great confidence in them. That confidence has parlayed itself into giving those people a big decision-making power. Uh, in the uh, last few uh, weeks, we've seen a lot of different moves being made. In the front office, Mike Rickard gets promoted in a scouting department. They reshuffle the amateur de- scouting department a little bit. In the coaching staff, we saw Daniel Evangie reassigned. Andy Barquette, the assistant hitting coach, is fired. And the assistant pitching coach, Brian Bannister, is reassigned to a role in the front office. And now we're even seeing these hires being made. A new assistant hitting coach, Peter, Peter Fotz, uh, a guy who uh, is from Western Mass, big on the pages of Mass Live, who has an elite uh, hitting academy out there gets the Red Sox job, a 32-year-old uh, kind of outside-the-box hire. It seemed to be moving close on hiring a pitching coach. Um, Brian Price, former Reds manager, has been linked, a few other guys. Dave Bush, uh, who has been working as a, kind of a, a hybrid role for the Red Sox in the last few years as a candidate, he appears he'll be on the major league staff. So there are a lot of moving parts with both the front office and the coaching staff where um, even today Bill James leaving. That These are kind of, I think that was more of James' uh, decision but anyway, you know, you see things are happening. They're not sitting back, being very passive. A couple other moves, and we saw a little bit of moves on the forty-man roster last week. Stephen Wright gets released. Three guys get cut off the forty-man roster. Three guys who never should have been there. But Gorkys Hernandez, Josh Smith, and Chris Owings all elect free agency after being, you know, after declining their AAA assignments. So, um, point is that they're not. They're not be- sitting there and waiting for someone to be hired. You know, they're going to run with this, and they're going to be faced with big decisions in the next couple weeks. J.D. Martinez's opt-out fast approaching. If the national sweep, that opt-out is going to be due by Halloween, and that is a week away. Ferrero, O'Halloran, Romero, and Scott, differing expertise in different categories. Ferreira kind of the day-to-day operations and make sure everything's running smoothly. The glue, Brian O'Halloran, runs transactions and negotiations and is big on the rules Eddie Romero in scouting especially international scouting and Zach Scott with analytics the four of them you know have kind of everything you'd want a general manager so why not you know keep running with the four of them word from inside the Red Sox this week is that things are running very smoothly with the people that they have in charge so we're good with the group we have right now and uh, and that seems to be the case uh, which is is making it a little bit more paddle pal- <laughs> palatable, excuse me, inside the walls of Fenway Park that they have not been able to land one of these big fish GMs that they were originally hoping for. There's a lot of trust in that current quartet, and that trust, as I reported today, could parlay itself into, as I wrote, a permanent structure of shared responsibilities, or at least a delay in the long-term search. Everything points, at this point, at least in my mind, to an internal option being elevated, whether that be Eddie Romero, Brian O'Halloran, Raquel Ferreira, Zach Scott. Could be anybody getting one of those, you know, being the the point guy, kind of being the public face. If not, the Red Sox will go to the GM meetings and beyond with a quartet uh, as their general manager. And, and I think something that we haven't seen in baseball is collaborative structure. Uh, it's working for them right now, and they seem to really enjoy it. I think there's a sense within the front office that Dave Dombrowski was kind of this Overlord figure that came from outside the organization and he took it away from the family, you know, the people that have worked there for so long. Um, and I thought at the beginning they'd want to get this higher back in the family by bring back someone like Hazen or Porter or Sade or Hoyer or something. Um, but, you know, the best way, I guess, to keep it in the family might be to literally just do that and keep it within the people that are still working there, that have been working there for 13, 15 years. And a group that they're very comfortable with at this point. The Red Sox are not in a rush to make a move. I think this is a really important point. John Henry said it would be a competitive advantage for them to have a general manager in place by the November 10th GM meetings, but it wasn't a requirement. And at this point, I think it would be really surprising. You know, we're just over two weeks away from that. That's two weeks from Monday as we record this on a Thursday uh, in Scottsdale. And um, I just don't see that that comes to fruition. It seems like, unless you know that Brad Stevens type thing happens to me, uh, it appears really, really unlikely. And, and some key decisions how they approach JD Martinez, and and I mean that's not really a Red Sox decision. That's if JD wants to stay or not. But kind of how they they formulate the offseason after that, to me, what um, will really say a lot uh, about how the Red Sox decide to go forward. With this search, whether in Scottsdale or San Diego for the winter meetings or in the walls of Fenway Park, which will be one of the busiest off-seasons in Red Sox history. Trans- transition now to our ad. We're talking about Roman erectile dysfunction isn't easy and talking about it isn't. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, you know, I just lost my mojo. Or people avoid it altogether with excuses like yeah, they had a long day at work or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and most importantly, discreet. Getting started is simple. You just go to R-O-M-A-N socks. SOX, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash socks to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash socks for free visit to get started. Roman, a discreet way to treat erectile dysfunction. There is no dysfunction at this point in the walls of Fenway Park, as we've been talking about uh, with with who is running baseball operations, and the Red Sox seem to uh, be. That was a wonderful transition, by the way. Seem to be in you know, a very comfortable with the people they have. A couple other thoughts from the week in baseball. Keep this short. Wrap it up soon. Um, the Brandon Todman incident, like I, re- I referenced earlier, my big takeaway. Um, you know, I think there are a few things. Uh, Stephanie Epstein for Sports Illustrated, who I know. Um, very, very brave for reporting that. Uh, the people that came out as the witnesses are, are It's appreciated that they were able to come forward and say they saw it happen. Uh, I think the Astros' response was abhorrent. Everybody's kind of said that, um, and it's been you know for a team that's in the World Series about as bad of a week as you could possibly have. Not only do you have you know handle things so poorly and, and deservedly so, have you know so many people um, questioning kind of your your belief system, your PR handling of things, and the way they issued statements after that, but to lose two games at home, um, I think it's it's one of the worst weeks for a team in the World Series ever, and in a lot of ways. Like I said, deservedly so. I do think one person that gets you know, lost in this because the way he handled it was so, so great, uh, A.J. Hinch and his comments, he really, um, stood out as a leader, um, and saying that Toddman's comments in the incident were uncalled for and unacceptable and that anybody who steps foot in the Astros clubhouse should be respected, I thought that was, uh, one of the, one of the light, or one of the brighter moments from, from a, a bad week down there, um, so, so kudos to A.J. Hinch for that. Kudos to Stephanie Abstein and, and the other reporters who were there for, for shedding some light on that. I think Brandon Taubman's career would be surprised if it advances. I'd be surprised if he keeps his job, but it seems like you know there's actually an outside shot of that at this point. Um, and as I wrote the other day, if he does keep his job in Houston, it'll be his last um, in baseball. Thoughts on the managerial hirings. David Ross, another former Red Sox with a ring, goes to run a team. I think that's six now. It's incredible. The Red Sox, the culture they've built, they just built a lot of winners in those years when they were winning World Series. And obviously, that seems like a long time ago, but it was a year ago. Um, we're right now covering a World Series. David Ross joins, you know, these guys, Dave Roberts and Kevin Cash and Terry Francona and Lavolo, Cora, obviously. Um, who won Red, rings with the Red Sox and are now uh, running teams elsewhere. Rocco Baldelli played for the Red Sox. Gabe Kapler uh, was a guy who just was fired by the Phillies. He had a ring with the Red Sox. So um, just uh, a real, you know, it must feel nice for guys like Terry Francona and, and, and others who kind of foster this winning environment. And now they're seeing, you know, these guys in leadership roles around baseball, whether that's a GM or um, the manager. In terms of the World Series, uh, I think you're looking at three uh, three of the best pitchers in baseball for each rotation. It proves to you that the Red Sox maybe were right in saying that we're going to put all our stock on a rotation. just didn't work out this year, um, but I, I can't fault them as much as others for going all in on sale price of Aldi, Porcello, and Erod. On paper, it looked like a great rotation. They didn't stay healthy. They struggled. Erod pitched great, but um, overall... You know, the strategy wasn't flawed. Maybe the guys they picked were. um, And that's going to be a huge point of um, focus for, uh, you know, whoever takes.